Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code Radio20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. At KindBody, our clinics are unique. They're not your typical doctor's office. They're not sterile white walls. They're warm. They're inviting. They're more spa-like. We have a radical... That's an ad for a venture-backed startup called KindBody. It's a rapidly growing company that operates dozens of fertility clinics around the U.S., and it's gotten attention for its warmer, millennial-friendly approach to in vitro fertilization and other procedures. But Bloomberg's Jackie Davalos reports that current and former employees and some patients describe a bonus-driven business model, understaffed clinics and inconsistent safety protocols that they say contributed to errors. There were a few accidents that involved embryos being dropped, being left out, that had disrupted an IVF cycle. And so that cycle was disrupted because of a mistake that the clinic had made. And so a couple of these accidents left a real impression on some of the employees who had been working there who saw this firsthand. I'm Wes Kosova. Today on The Big Take, the challenges of building a new kind of fertility clinic. Jackie, tell us about KindBody. KindBody was founded in 2018, and it was founded by a woman named Gina Bartazzi, who was a real veteran in the IVF industry. She had started two other businesses that had grown to become what was one of the largest fertility networks in the country at the time. And it came onto the scene at a time when feminist ideals were really strong. Trump had just gotten elected, and the Me Too movement was underway. She left right before the company IPO'd and started KindBody, which was intended to be a real disruptor in the fertility industry. And and it wanted to achieve that by being a little bit more accessible. It was what they called the soul cycle of fertility. Really bright design, this colorful, warm aesthetic. And it was very intentional to attract this millennial woman that was prioritizing her career and wanted to take control of starting a family rather than feeling pressured to do it at an age when they didn't feel ready. And so they spoke to that message in their marketing and the way they designed the clinics. And what kind of services does Kind Body provide? So the company provides predominantly IVF. So that's in vitro fertilization treatment as well as egg freezing. So if you're a young woman who wants to put off starting a family, but you don't want to be caught off guard in your 40s, you can freeze your eggs and the company stores them for you, retrieves them, takes you through that process. And then for people who are ready to start a family, KindBody helps you do the IVF process if you've had trouble conceiving through traditional methods. The company pitches itself as giving women the choice. And for many women, they don't really know when they want to start a family, which is where egg freezing really comes into play. And for people that have had infertility troubles, 
IVF is kind of the first route you go to, and they offer that at all of their clinics. The difference between KindBody and some of the other players out there is that they do this all under one roof. And KindBody was saying, well, we have our own brick-and-mortar clinics, and by doing so, not only do we bring costs down, but we can control the quality. We know exactly what standards we have in our labs. We don't have to wait for clinics to get back to us. And, and it kind of removes that additional layer of friction between the patient and the doctor. And so how has it worked so far? The company's gotten the support of celebrity investors like Gwyneth Paltrow, Chelsea Clinton, Gabrielle Union. And it's gotten a lot of clout throughout the country because it's expanded its clinics into really buzzy metropolitan areas in New York and in San Francisco, Santa Monica and Los Angeles, Chicago. It also underwent this major acquisition of a network in the Midwest that expanded its footprint, pretty much doubled the size of its network to 33 clinics now, actually. And so they have really gotten off the ground, not just appealing to consumers who walk in and want to seek out this treatment, but also through the employer benefit side. So it's two very different customer bases. So now you have companies like Tesla and Rivian, Walmart is a major client for them, where they become the preferred provider for their employees. Walmart's teaming up with a fertility company to offer benefits for employees looking to expand their families. The nation's largest retailer is partnering with Kind Body to offer benefits like IVF and fertility testing regardless of sex, sexual orientation, gender identity, or marital status. And so because of that, they've had to open up more clinics in areas where those clients are, and that's expanded their footprint quite a bit. So Jackie, as you say, this company's been around since 2018. What made you want to write about it now? At the time, I had been reporting on kind of the health tech space and the impact of venture capital dollars flowing into a sector where the stakes are really high and the priorities that investors have that end up being imposed on the companies that they back can sometimes conflict with patient care. And this had come onto my radar after looking at you know my own Instagram and my own TikTok. I'm a 32-year-old woman and exactly the kind of demographic that Kind Body targets. And I had gotten some of these ads for a while and got curious about why that marketing was you know pretty targeted and if anyone else was getting it. I had gotten a tip from a user on Reddit that was commenting on kind of their experience at the company. They were a former employee, and they basically told me, you should really look into those laboratories where these IVF treatments are really happening. And it didn't take long for me to uncover some other employees, both current and former staff, that were really concerned about the quality of care and what the rapid expansion meant for their ability to provide good quality care to patients. So let's talk about that. What exactly did you find? At a couple other clinics, and namely the Bryant Park, New York City location, there were a few accidents that involved embryos being dropped, being left out, that had disrupted an IVF cycle, which is basically the process in which a woman injects herself with hormones, the eggs are retrieved, the embryos are fertilized, and then eventually implanted. And so that cycle was disrupted because of a mistake that the clinic had made 
And so a couple of these accidents left a real impression on some of the employees who had been working there who saw this firsthand. There was a couple in New York who had sought treatment in the Prime Park, New York City location and were looking to basically have an embryo transfer. They had a, a number of embryos already stored at the company. And when they got there, they were notified that the wrong one had been defrosted. And they weren't really in a position to make much of a choice. So one option would have been to refreeze the embryo and risk that embryo being damaged or continue with the transfer. They decided to continue with the transfer it didn't result in a successful pregnancy, and that can happen for a variety of reasons. Kindbody has said that they acknowledged the mistake, but pointed to the fact that this doesn't really happen that often at their clinics. Another thing to note about this particular incident is that it was the wrong embryo for a variety of reasons that aren't completely clear to us. According to current and former employees, it might have been the wrong quality embryo. It might have been the wrong gender. It's already a really fraught time. It's an emotional period for a family. And so even though it didn't result in a successful pregnancy, it left them with a lot of reticence to continue IVF going forward. In total, we uncovered three incidents in New York. One of them involved the wrong embryo being thawed. Another one, an embryo was accidentally dropped. And another one was left out in room temperature and effectively destroyed. And in that case, it was the woman's last embryo. And extremely unfortunate because the company's way of remedying that was to offer her unlimited IVF cycles forever. But she ultimately was not able to conceive at Kindbody. And what did Kindbody say when you asked them about each of these incidents at the New York location? They acknowledged that they had happened and pointed to some improvements that had been implemented since. And some of those include color-coding dishes and requiring what they call additional verification for labels to prevent that going forward. Now, we know that one of the earliest accidents occurred in 2021. However, we also found an example in an Atlanta clinic that just occurred this past March. Kindbody also said it conducts a root cause analysis after incidents, including the ones Bloomberg raised, and corrects processes where necessary. In her reporting, Jackie found that examples of embryos being mislabeled, lost, or accidentally destroyed occurred in four clinics around the country over the past three years, according to two current employees and a dozen former employees. Some other issues that the company went through included how they retrofit clinics, and that was done, according to employees, done in a hasty way that resulted in issues like gases being emitted into the clinic from sewer pipes that were left open. That occurred in Austin. In Atlanta, the HVAC systems weren't installed properly. That led to a flood after a leak leading to a ceiling being burst open. And the reason that's significant is because they occurred in areas that were adjacent or very close to the embryology lab. And embryology Embryology labs require 
very specific specifications to make sure that the air quality is monitored appropriately. Things like temperature and what they call volatile organic compounds, things like perfume, can actually impact the development and the quality of an embryo. And so having a flood coming through the ceiling or foul-smelling gases in Austin seeping into the clinic are actually quite significant risks for an IVF lab. And I imagine you asked Kind Body about that as well. Yes, and they admitted that they had issues when these clinics opened up, that they remedied these issues in a timely manner. But from what we understand, current and former employees in other clinics like in Bryan Park, which is one of the longest-running clinics, have continued to struggle with HVAC issues as early as 2020. And the company says that they immediately address them. In a statement, KindBody also said no patients, tissues, or embryos were directly impacted. And it said that to suggest that KindBody's laboratories are substandard and not meeting industry norms is false. After the break, how does KindBody compare to other U.S. fertility clinics? Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. Jackie, how were you able to find patients to speak to? Sources obviously could not disclose their identity for privacy reasons and the health laws and HIPAA that prevented them from doing that. But there were some that had left reviews on sites like Yelp and Google and Reddit. And it was months of trying to track these people down. But the more specific accounts I was able to get from current and former employees, the better I was able to do that. But it was really hard because people want to move on from this. And even when in some cases where their embryos were mishandled and it was traumatic at the time, in some cases they ended up having a baby. And so in their minds, they want to move on from that incident, given the outcome eventually was a positive one for their family. And you say you've spoken to quite a few employees at different locations at the company. How were you able to find them and why were they willing to speak to you? I spoke to nurse practitioners, doctors, lab professionals, everyone across finance to sales to marketing. So over three dozen people I connected with had different types of experiences that intersected with these accidents. The clinical professionals, so the doctors, the embryologists, the lab professionals felt compelled to speak to me because they saw how quickly the company was expanding and they were concerned that more accidents could happen. They had initially thought about some of the mishandling incidents, kind of like startup growing pains, that this can happen at many companies. It's not unusual in the fertility industry for accidents to happen. It's risky business. But many employees shared with me that the company was expanding at an even faster clip. 
And with this IPO kind of looming as this big goal, what it would take to get there and what that would mean for patients, the potential for more mistakes was really concerning for them. Jackie, as you say, IVF is an imperfect science. It's difficult and people make mistakes. How different is Kind Body from the thousands of other fertility clinics around the country when it comes to mistake rates or mishaps or things that just don't go right? The government does not have any repository or database for tracking these accidents. There is a study that we point to in the story that tracks one lab across 12 years. And they find that these kind of accidents occur once out of every about 2,000 cycles. And KindBody says that their overall incident rate across all of their clinics is about 0.2%. And that aligns with what that study found. However, that study is just looking at one lab, which is not really comparing apples to apples to KindBody's incident rate because KindBody would not disclose what each clinic's incident rate was. In a statement provided by KindBody, Stephen Katz, the chief executive officer of REI Protect, a risk management and insurance company for IVF clinics, including KindBody, said that KindBody's incident rates are in the lowest quartile of the clinics that he covers. Katz told Bloomberg that his firm covers about half of all fertility doctors and IVF labs in the country. Because there's no real mechanism or requirement for other fertility clinics to report these types of accidents, it's really hard to know what else is going on in the industry overall. And that really has to do with the fact that regulation in the industry isn't where it should be, according to experts who follow the industry. And what did they tell you specifically about that? So there's a few government agencies that touch aspects of the IVF industry. You have the Centers for Disease Control that are tracking which IVF labs are certified to be open. And then you have the FDA that regulates things like medical devices used, but they don't actually regulate how the procedures are carried out. The FDA cares more about donor services, so how are embryos and sperm being stored, for example. And then you have independent bodies that are more like industry groups and a compilation of experts in the industry that set out these guidelines. But there is no real enforcement. The CDC is not tracking or policing how companies are actually carrying out some of these standards and practices. And because of that, the onus falls to the companies themselves. They end up self-policing in many cases. And you can get accreditation by organizations like the College of American Pathologists. You get a nice stamp of approval. But that's a voluntary process. And so what that offers to patients is this stamp that gives you some layer of credibility, but that process, you get an inspection when you first open, then you get this self-completed checklist that clinics complete on their own, and then another inspection is conducted the following year. So that consistent follow-up isn't really there, and that government oversight isn't there either. Is this unique to the U.S., or is this the way it's done around the world? No, you know, you have the U.K., They have different regulations for things like 
a process called double witnessing. And that's really important because double witnessing is when you have at least two embryologists overseeing what's going on in the embryology lab. At Kindbody, there were times when there was only one embryologist in the lab when some of these procedures were being conducted. And current and former employees say that that was a big problem because as they got more patients, some of these embryologists were getting burned out. In the UK, for example, it's mandated by law that you have to have at least two people double witnessing, two humans. And the experts that we spoke to said that there is no replacement for having another human there. And at a company at a kind body in the U.S., that isn't really mandated by law. And Jackie, what did kind body say about this question of whether embryologists at their labs were burnt out, overworked? They said that they were staffing their clinics appropriately. And they said that they staff it according to volume. So on more high volume days that they would staff it up with more people. But they also pointed to the fact that turnover among embryologists is at what they call the industry level and that they weren't an outlier in that way. You also report about the pay and incentive packages for people who worked at Kind Body and how that affected some of the procedures that were performed. That's right. Current and former doctors I spoke to said that Kind Body had an aggressive sales culture that when patients came in for a consultation, that nurse practitioners were required to basically call them back at least three times before they were taken off this interested list. And nurse practitioners and doctors said that they felt uncomfortable with that approach, that even though quotas kind of exist across the industry, that this is how a clinic makes money, that Kindbody went about it in an aggressive way by then telling doctors at monthly meetings, our numbers are low, we need to increase cycles. And one of the way they were told to do that is through a process called dual stimulation. Basically makes a woman undergo the egg retrieval process kind of twice in one cycle. The dual stimulation procedure is really designed for women who produce relatively few eggs. So you might see this more common in older women. And it's a procedure that's common in the fertility industry. But again, it's not typically used for women that are young and in good health. However, doctors told me that they felt pressured to recommend this procedure to even young, healthy patients in a bid to boost their quotas for the month. And the reason that's significant for the patient is because it's very taxing on the body and women don't really get a break to kind of recover. But from the company's perspective, they're able to extract more money from a process like that. It's more costly. Doctors said that they didn't feel comfortable kind of taking this approach and that the quotas were emphasized pretty frequently throughout the year and that that pressure has just become more intense as the company marches toward an IPO. And what did Kindbody say about all of this? Kindbody pointed to the fact that quotas are not uncommon in the industry, which is true. They said that they left the discretion of what procedures to recommend to patients up to doctors, and they disputed the fact that they ever pressured clinicians, nurse practitioners included, to ever do anything that they didn't want to do. Jackie, we've been talking about the mistakes that happen in these labs, but what is Kindbody's success rate? 
So its overall life birth success rate is about 63%, and that's compared to a national average of about 43% as reported to the Society of Assisted Reproductive Technology. That would seem like a pretty good number for them to tout. It is, and it does show that they're able to be effective at helping people start a family, you know, and that could be for a variety of reasons. The types of treatment that they're doing that might be different from other clinics that also has a lot to do with the people and the population that they're serving. So it's kind of hard to compare apples to apples, and some folks look at live success rates, but some experts say that it's not a perfect point of comparison because someone in Missouri their demographic might look totally different than those success rates of New York because people in Missouri might be starting families at a younger age and then therefore they have a better chance versus a woman in New York who might be in her 40s and therefore having, you know, a lower chance of conceiving. So it's not a perfect number, but certainly one that KindBody is proud of and they deserve credit for. And we've been talking about regulation of this industry, but this is one number that the government really does pay attention to. Yes, and the Society for Assisted Reproductive Technology has over 400 member clinics that report data to that organization. And then those numbers are then fed up to the Centers for Disease Control. So the government does track this to a degree. What they're not really doing is enforcing the standards and the protocols for how these IVF labs operate. When we come back, what's next for KindBody? The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Carter Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers, and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights, and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com. Jackie, as you said at the beginning, this company has big plans for its future. Where are they headed right now? They've been very open and transparent about the fact that they're looking to go public and that their last capital raise was the last one for 2023, that they want to take the next step and go public as a company. And in doing that, they're opening up more clinics in Texas, in Bethesda, in Maryland, and also looking to get new contracts from the employer benefit space, going after some of these corporate clients that are looking to offer fertility as a perk for their employees. And they're doing a good job of expanding in places where, you know, you would expect to see a soul cycle or a dry bar in these metropolitan areas. Are investors in the company aware of some of the things in your reporting? They're not aware of the full extent of the types of mistakes that have occurred. They said things like mistakes happen at any startup, that growing pains can occur, and that when it comes to opening a brick-and-mortar clinic, there's a lot of risks that come with that. But they're very confident in the company's ability to, to weather that. And a big reason for that is because the company's former CEO who founded the company, Gina Bartazzi, She ended up taking a role as 
executive chairman when the company went through the merger with Vios Fertility Institute. And that was the merger that really expanded their footprint across the country. Now, investors say that she's still fairly involved at the company. She does the investor calls and she's a big reason why they remain so confident. She has the experience in fertility. And with her somewhat at the helm, that the company is really able to get to the next level. I imagine other IVF companies are watching KindBody. Are any of them starting to change the way they do business to be more like KindBody? The fertility tech sector has really boomed over the last few years. And in 2022, these startups raised over $800 million in venture capital funding. And that's one indicator that shows investors are really eager to capitalize on the growth in this space and, and more companies, not just like KindBody that are starting brick-and-mortar clinics, but also looking to other aspects of the industry, whether that's how you track data or people looking to be more of the middleman and kind of serving as a marketplace for fertility benefits. So across the board, you're seeing fertility tech startups starting to sprout. KindBody is really one of a kind in that it owns and operates its own clinics, and you don't see very many startups doing that because it's so hard to do that. It's capital intensive, it's expensive, and it requires a lot of expertise to set up these IVF labs. It's expensive to staff them as well. So KindBody is kind of an outlier in that way that they're really undertaking this approach in the industry, this vertically integrated model. As you continue to report on the story, what are you watching for? The global fertility market was worth about $35 billion last year, and it's expected to grow to $84 billion by 2028. The U.S. is a large portion of this, and you have other countries like France and the U.K. putting up more regulations around how you track mistakes, what types of practices are mandated by law in an IVF lab. And what I'll be looking out for is to see which government agencies start to take more control of the standards and practices in embryology and IVF labs in general in the U.S. Jackie, thanks for sharing your reporting. Thank you. Thanks for listening to us here at The Big Take. It's a daily podcast from Bloomberg and iHeartRadio. For more shows from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen. And we'd love to hear from you. Email us questions or comments to bigtake at bloomberg.net. The supervising producer of The Big Take is Vicki Vergolina. Our senior producer is Catherine Fink. This episode was produced by Sam Gebauer and Gilda DeCarli. Gilda Garcia is our engineer. Our original music was composed by Leo Sidrin. I'm Wes Kosova. We'll be back tomorrow with another Big Take. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.